0: My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that?
1: Whiskey. Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from Lost in Translation, the Park Whiskey Society podcast. Um, And I'm here with my co-host.
0: Hey, it's Sean.
1: (laughs) Hey, Sean. Uh, And we've got a really, really awesome guest for everyone today. Uh, this is uh, someone who's, I would say, pioneering the whiskey world a little bit for, for Alberta and cr- just creating, creating a completely new landscape in my eyes. Uh, she, she's super active for her distillery, uh, always doing tastings, always talking to the public. I know even Sean, Sean mentioned like a year ago how much he, he just adored her and, and, and just loved that she was just so open to chat about whiskey and, and distilling in general. Uh, so today we have the master distiller for Eau Claire, Caitlin Quinn. How are you doing today?
2: Good. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Yes, absolutely. We're yeah, we're just thrilled that you uh, that you agreed to come on. And it was kind of, well, I only asked you a couple of weeks ago, so it was kind of in short notice. Yep. So I, I appreciate you making the time.
2: No problem at all. No, as um, you said, like I'm always happy to talk about whiskey. I love it. And it's part of my daily life. So why not discuss it with everybody else?
1: Yeah, for sure, and, and it's it's important to always be discussing it because you can. There's just so much whiskey out there that you can find yourself your relevance decline pretty quickly sometimes. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's good to definitely see you active in the community. So I, I'd like to kind of start off the podcast and, and just give you the floor to talk about yourself. Um, let's let's hear about your journey and, and kind of what led you to your position at Eau Claire and and becoming a master distiller. Yeah, sounds
2: good. Um, so. I had a bit of a weird start. Um, it's not too weird, but I did a, a honors degree in chemistry. First of all, okay. so I started off. I did five years of chemistry. Um, it was nearing the end of my final year, and it was round about the time people were applying for jobs. And I just really was not interested in doing it as a career. It did not interest me to do every day. Like there was nothing I was excited about, and I always went into job hunting, like I wanted something that wouldn't feel like work every day. So I started looking into master's degrees to try and convert my chemistry um, into something a bit more interesting, and I came across the heriot Watt course, so the master's in brewing and distilling, and I thought it'd be perfect. Um, it'd be interesting, I could drink what I make instead of in chemistry, where you can't really try things straight off a of still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. In, in chemistry. In I guess there's lots of avenues you could go down with, with a, a degree in chemistry or master's yeah. chemistry, but distilling is probably one of the more exciting avenues, I would say.
2: Well, yeah, it just it interested me. There's so many different areas. It's not like a single layered kind of career. There's whiskey, there's white spirits, there's RTDs, there's maturation. Like There's a bunch of different things you can do. So it was just way more exciting than starting a career in a lab where I'd be stuck in a lab every day, nine to five. So, I then did my master's, and then actually, they'll, I applied for the job at O'Claire. There was a posting on the university job site. Um, okay. And I applied for the job here. Um, I was actually born in Winnipeg, so I have dual nationality.
1: Oh, perfect.
2: Yeah, so I don't sound like I'm from Winnipeg because I left very early, but um, I decided I'd apply to see what happened. And the day of my last exam at Harriet Watt, I found out that I got the job here. So that was in May of 2015, and then I moved out in the August of 2015.
0: Oh, that happened pretty quick.
2: Yeah, it was a quick time around. Um, <laughs> it was one of those ones I didn't have to wait for immigration or anything. So I was like, get my Canadian passport, and then why not?
1: Oh yeah, that that definitely probably speeds up the the process for sure. <laughs> yeah. Immigration yeah. immigration yeah. can take some time. That's for sure. My. My uh, my, my wife's American, so we've we've been through that process before, and it's it's they don't make yeah. it easy on you. I, and and for good measure. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, my fiance came over with me. He's Scottish, and we had to go through the full sponsorship yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um. So we've been through many times over.
1: That's okay. Now he's now he's locked here. Basically, yeah. you control his fate. So. Yeah.
2: Exactly. It's nice <laughs> <me> forever now.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't screw up, or you're going home, buddy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, exactly. <yeah. laughs>
1: I like to say that's what I say say to my wife, but I'm not that uh, tough to say that to my wife. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can sleep outside in minus forty.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, not not really my thing. <laughs> so, so you and one one of the questions I was going to ask you was if uh, Eau Claire approached you or, or you um, approached Eau Claire. But so you you obviously interviewed for the position, yep. um, With with the owners, I assume. And they, they obviously yeah, I,
2: did, I did two interviews. I did one with David, who is our CEO, and then one with Larry Kerwin, who was our master distiller at the time. Um, he is in his 70s now. He's been in the brewing and distilling industry for 50 plus years. So he was kind of interviewing me to come in <laughs> and take over from him for the day-to-day.
1: That that would be kind of intimidating, hey. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it was a fun <laughs> conversation. Um he's just he's very technical so when you have like one of those kind of interviews like it was very different to very different interviews there was david who loves the history and the story of distilling the and then larry who was straight technical
1: were, were you into whiskey before you started creating whiskey or before you took that job interview
2: I wouldn't say I was into whiskey. I was intrigued in the process. Um, but having been a student for the six years previous, I did not have the disposable income to be into whiskey.
1: Yeah, especially <laughs> especially Scotch. Yeah. The only the only yeah. whiskey I was into back then was like Jack Daniels and Jameson, the stuff I could shoot and get drunk with quick. <laughs>
2: yeah, which isn't like a great a great advert for being no. into whiskey either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, those aren't.
0: <laughs> so what uh you obviously didn't have any experience before you just straight out of school, straight into the job. Um did did
2: you yeah, have any experience? Much. Yeah. I did um I did my Sorry. my master's project with Edinburgh Gin and we did a gin recipe development, me and a group of girls from my masters course. Um, uh, so I okay. had like some hands-on with stills, but not in a job sense.
1: How oh, crazy. So what was your what what was the kind of the biggest culture shock moving from Scotland to Alberta?
2: Well, I think this is probably the perfect week to talk about it, but the weather
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Minus <laughs> right, between, minus thirty, between,
2: minus forty. <laughs> yeah, between the like this week where it's like between minus thirty and minus forty, and then the summer where it's blue skies and dry. Compared to Scotland, where it's ten degrees, raining
1: and gray all year. Which, which the interesting climate that we have obviously plays into, and we'll get into it later. But it it plays some interesting uh, or have some interesting impacts on on the maturation of of yeah. whiskey and stuff no, like it that. Definitely so does. that yeah, part like of it's, it's got to be different. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's. Um, you want to get into the whiskey, Sean? Yeah. Let's you got any other questions about? No. Where um, she came from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I could talk about Scotland forever, but um, where in Scotland were you going to school in Edinburgh?
2: So I did my undergrad at University of Glasgow. Okay. We lived in a place called Hamilton, which is about twenty minutes outside Glasgow, and then I did my masters at Heriot Watt, which is on the outskirts of Edinburgh.
1: Interesting. I, I've never been to Edinburgh, so yeah, I mean I would like to go. My f- it's family. a
2: it's a beautiful city.
1: Oh yeah, that's what we hear. It's amazing.
0: (laughs) That's my, one of my biggest regrets is we only spent a couple days in the area of Edinburgh and like one of them, we drove to St. Andrews and back. So I I really, really wish we would have spent more time right in the city and exploring. And now on Instagram, you see all these postings and it's empty right now. It'd be the perfect time to explore (laughs) it. I mean, you can't (laughs) go into anything, but you could go.
1: Well, I know it's hard to make any travel plans nowadays because it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's get right. I want to get right into the whiskey, just because we got. We're going to go through and talk about. We're going to talk about your your annual single malt releases, uh, yeah. the Plowman's Rye, which is a which is a favorite of Sean's. Um, the the Rupert's whiskey, which uh, recently came out before Christmas, yeah. and then obviously obviously the big the big one on the table here the the, your first single cast release so let's uh let's talk about let's talk about kind of the the center of it all which is your your annual batch release of of your single malt um so what like so what you were were you involved in you've been involved since batch one yes and no so i came in
2: I've been here for five, just over five years um, and we're six years old. So the okay. original casks were filled before, like they were filled in 2014 before I started. Okay. But I've been involved in the blending of all of them.
1: Well, and, and so let's, that segues perfectly because when uh, when I was there visiting and talking to Danny, he, mm-hmm. he was starting to get into the kind of the varying... Uh, blends of cast that you guys use and mm-hmm. how, how it's it's changed so much from batch one to batch two batch three batch four and and they all they all have the same like it, there's definitely an essence of Eau Claire's spirit that you capture but they all have in my eyes completely different profiles so it's I don't know can you can you maybe speak to the differences between the batches and and kind of how how that's evolved based on on what you guys have learned over the years
2: yeah sure like Like overall, batch to batch, because we didn't have that many barrels that we filled in the first year. And when you first start up, we're obviously trying to get the white spirits out. We're trying to make a brand name for ourselves. So there wasn't that much spirit put away in the first year for the single malt program. So I didn't have a lot of options for barrels. So, And we've kind of approached it the same every year anyway. I'll take every barrel that's three years old. I'll try every single one of them. And then I narrow it down to the best from that year. So anything that's got any slight off flavors that needs aged for a bit longer, it's a bit too immature. That all stays in cask for longer. So I'll then try all of the ones that make it to second round. And then we start trying to make the blend. So essentially the barrels tell me what the blend is going to be each year, depending on how they're aging, what kind of flavor profiles I'm getting for each of them. So each of them is kind of, a snapshot
0: from that year Th- that's really cool i mean like we both have every every batch that's come out and um like i've posted pictures of the whole
1: <laughs> eau claire family we're eau claire fanboys <laughs> yeah, for sure exactly <laughs> it's um, kind of hard not to be though being whiskey enthusiasts i think that you're you're silly to overlook the like a, the the spirits being created right under your nose yeah and mm-hmm. to not want to be involved in, in the culture surrounding it and stuff like that the what what are the uh, like what are the like the standard types of casks that you guys usually use?
2: And so we've got three standard types that we always fill. We've got X Sherry. We started off we've got some oloroso, we're now filling some PX. And we mm-hmm. have our standard like X bourbon, which you'll find in pretty much any whiskey. And then what's kind of unique for us, and not a lot of distilleries tend to use them, but we use new European oak so it's hungarian oak and it's freshly charred and we do a quite a high char on it as well so you get a lot of the flavor and the color from the new european oak so you'll see that most of our whiskies are pretty dark for being three year old Mm -hmm. i mean each batch like we're not trying to hide it each there's no age statement on it but they are three years old like our first one came out when we were only three years old as a company (laughs) and each batch we've kind of brought as a three-year-old expression of like the barrels we have available that year. So the color mainly comes from that new European oak, and it's just different proportions of that we do each year.
1: The other thing that Danny was kind of showing and mentioning is that you, you also use a lot of different sizes of casks as well, being the, the hogsheads, the butts, the, even down to quarter casks and yeah. kind of really, you really like really experimenting to see how the spirit reacts with kind of all shapes and sizes and types.
2: Yeah, no, we use like a bunch of different sizes. Like at the beginning, we didn't know, like it's kind of blind luck. You, The spirit tastes good going in and then you just cross your fingers that it's going to taste good in three years. So we filled as many different types, as many different sizes as we could get our hands on. And then we could compare them all to each other. So yeah, like the theory of it is the smaller the cask, the faster you get all of the flavor components out of it. So ages faster. It's still only a certain age, but you get more flavor out of it. Um,
0: because it's
1: a smaller. It just bottle. ends up just ends up being a little more more fickle. So you just kind of got to pay attention to how the spirits evolving probably. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's cool.
0: Like Steve mentioned every all the whiskeys, including the Rupert's whiskey, they all have that essence of Eau Claire. Like there's something about every single one of them. Um, is that in part to do with the Alberta climate, especially being, uh, you know, just just outside the foothills region? You get the chinooks, you get the harsh winters like right now, and you know it can get pretty hot
1: in the summers. Yeah, lots of temperature swinging in that area for sure.
2: I think for sure, like it's definitely to do partly with that. We're using all Alberta barley as well, so we're very dependent on the growing seasons, which also is climate based. So we're using Alberta barley, Alberta malt, and then yeah, we have good crops, bad crops, depending on what the years are, and then even just with the maturation. Because it's so dry here, we're losing way more per year um, as angels share. So in Scotland, you're like 2-3% per year. We're looking at like 11 per year because of how dry it is here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> well, those casts just love to yeah. suck that suck it up because they're losing all their moisture in the dryness, right? It's...
2: Yeah, exactly. And the fun part is, which was complete news to me until we pulled our first whiskey, usually in scotland you'd lose more alcohol than water so you'd end up going down an abv so say you put it in at 62 you bring it out at 60.
1: you yeah.
2: are going up an abv so we're actually losing more water over alcohol and i think it's because it's so dry here. Is oh. anyone that has ever been in alberta and knows how dry it is here
1: oh yeah we have one of the driest climates funny you say that because um a close friend of ours it, he, he just said like it does some home distilling kind of thing just to play around and he put so he's got five liter casks and he put um like a p it was a px or some sort of sherry in the cast he left it in the cast for like three or four months to season it before he put yeah. his distal his in it and it's was hardly any sherry left (laughs) it was sludge and it was like 80 percent alcohol (laughs) because the cast just drew all the water out of it (laughs) it was yeah Yeah. talk about sherry bomb (laughs) but
2: yeah no it's it's a weird climate here and like because we were the first craft distillery there wasn't any information on this like we just found out when we started filling casks and there was less spirit than we expected but everything was higher ABV than we expected so we still like it's not it's like 11% loss in volume but we're still keeping some extra alcohol so it's not like overall 11% loss which is interesting as well
0: yeah that's weird if if you bottle it at 46 or whatever you can yeah you know you're you're actually gaining on that because you're bringing the proof down by adding the
1: water yeah you're adding some of the water that's been drawn out of it back into it so in the end you're yeah you're you're losing but you're yeah that's kind of weird that's yeah
2: (laughs) It's a weird it's, one. so like it's not as much of a loss as it sounds but yeah it's like 11 percent volume wise
1: but just the way that it affects the profile like it's got to affect the profile of the whiskey differently than it would in a in a scottish climate or something like that
2: right? yeah i mean like when you think about it it's 10 degrees about 65 percent humidity in scotland so it's fairly standard the full year round whereas yeah like here zero you're almost concentrating it <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> 0% really? humidity. zero percent humidity
2: zero humidity and it can be plus 30 or minus 30 sometimes within a week
1: of each other yeah it's crazy yeah that's that's why <laughs> that's why we're like the leading um sales per capita in hand moisturizer and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> you ca- we kind of touch on the on the barley source you you're one of your kind of your mantras is the farm to glass yep. or farm to bottle um, kind of creation so you, you guys have your own farm which you create your own barley um so maybe i don't know if you want to talk talk to that a little bit and then where like where else do you get that barley from
2: so we have multiple different locations that we get our horse farm barley from um, we have seven acres here at the distillery and we have a barley field out the back there there's also one that's about 20 minutes away from the distillery but basically the whole concept of the distillery came from david our ceo and he was a hobby horse farmer before he opened the distillery so then he wanted to do the old school way of farming he wanted to do horse drawn fill back to the very basics so that's kind of how it started and then when he was getting that barley he had nothing to do with it he's like what should i do now and then decided to open the distillery. So we do have that horse farming aspect as well. So it's very unique for us, or for me as a distiller, being able to control the process from that point. Not many people can say they can control a process from feed through to what's in the bottle.
0: Yeah, and that perfectly perfectly segues into what I wanted to talk about, is the Plowman's Rye. So it (laughs) says right on the bottle, horse farmed. And then, (laughs) like... I remember when it first came out, I was like, what are they talking about? And it's like all horse in hand from beginning to, e- to end, which is yeah. like so cool. And when you tell people about that, they kind of <laughs> make a weird face and they're like, what are you talking about? And you explain it. and they're like, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's really cool. It just sounds like a lot of work to create a grain. I mean, I, I bet yeah. you it would make it even because some seasons you, you lose, you lose crops. So it would make it that much harder to take probably because of all yeah, the effort. I mean,
2: Yeah, well and obviously like as we said, like with the climate, like sometimes crops are terrible. Sometimes you don't get that good a yield, sometimes it's not great quality barley or rye. Um but yeah, it's just it's part of it. We can control start to finish. We do supplement obviously with some malted barley that we get from Alex. Um so we do have other sources. If we completely lost a crop, we'd still be able to make products. Yeah because we couldn't rely solely on the horse farm and it's not the most economical way to do things.
1: Because you make all your spirits from from barley, except for the, yep. the rye, right?
2: Yeah, so the rye has some barley in it as well, but it does have rye in it.
0: And like so far there's only been one Plowman's rye released. Yes. Are, you, are you planning on doing another one?
2: We have nothing planned right now. Um, anyone who has ever worked with rye will know how painful it is. <laughs> And then adding the horse farm dry into that so it wasn't malted so it was very hard to work with um it was very thick Um i can literally say my blood sweat and tears are in those bottles because i was crawling about in the mash sometimes because all the pumps were clogged <laughs> oh
1: it's a, it's it's kind of like for for whiskey a rye whiskey it's mm-hmm. got a very very interesting profile to it and, and and that's probably contributed maybe to the barley like what, what sort of yep. percentage of barley roughly?
2: Um so in <laughs> plowmans again we did the ploughmans as a trial.
1: Okay. Not the
2: ploughmans, but we did our the rye was a trial, the horse farmed. So we went up and down on our mash bill between each mash. So we pushed it right up as far as like twenty percent rye and then that wouldn't pump with the pumps. So then we went back oh, okay, to about okay. ten. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in the bottle, it's hard for me to say it's definitely this much because each mash had a different percentage of rye in it until it physically would not pump anymore.
1: Well, there's you can really, really like I don't know, on the palate, you can taste the rye and the and the malt. Like it's, al- it's, almost separately. It kind of splits almost. It's yeah. it's kinda of interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting.
2: What what I like about the plowins, and it might be like I feel like I approached it as a single malt distiller. Like I'm not, I've never have been a rye drinker. It's not really as big a thing in Scotland. Yeah. But I approached it as a single malt drinker. So I was making something that tasted like a single malt, but had that rye characteristic as well. And what we did with this, we aged it in New American. So that was the smaller casks that you were talking to Danny about, the halves and the quarters. And then at one point it was almost over-aged, but it wasn't quite three years old yet. So we pulled it out and we put it into the batch two single malt casks that we just
1: emptied so oh, we pulled okay. some of
2: that batch two flavor in as well so i think that rounded that out really nice
0: yeah it definitely did and like even though it's a rye whiskey on the label like you still get that essence of eau claire in it like you can still taste
1: oh that. absolutely it's consistent with yeah with eau claire product that's whether that's sure. coming from the the single
0: malt casks that were used but yeah i mean it's one of my favorite ryes i'm i'm not a huge rye
1: drinker but it's mm-hmm. one of my
0: favorite ones and
1: i know well, that plays perfectly into what She's trying to make something to appeal to a yeah, yeah, exactly. single malt drinker. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I mean,
1: yeah. we, we have friends,
0: Josh, Know Your Whiskey. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think he emptied a bottle or two in the first weekend that he had it, it camping, camping, camping <laughs> yeah. in the mountains. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a rye fan. He, he, you know, he talks about this all the time. So.
2: Yeah.
1: It, it's tasty. So was it, so it was it your idea or was it someone else's? So
2: I'm just like, curious. Basically what happened was we had horse farmed some rye in our first year of production. And then it was kind of already in process by the time I had arrived. Uh, But it was me that implemented it. Like the concept was already there, but I did all of the actual legwork to get it Uh, mashed, distilled, filled in the barrels, and then the actual blending of it on the release.
1: Okay, cool. Um, So let's uh, – got a big picture of it behind you there, but let's get into the other – (laughs) <laughs> yeah the other whiskey that's and this <laughs> yeah. so being rupert's whiskey what's what's the no. rough mash bill on on this one
2: so it's one of those like undisclosed we've actually okay. because it's a blended whiskey um we don't actually produce all of the spirit for it
1: oh interesting cool okay So I, I yeah, didn't know that's that. what
2: allows us to bring it in at a bit of a lower price point so it's a bit more of an everyday whiskey and then like as usual, you know being like Scottish whiskey drinkers blended whiskey is like a whole part of the like the biggest part of the category of whiskey back home yeah that's everyone's everyday whiskey the one that they would mix with coke or ginger um but this one again approached it as a single malt distiller so it actually tastes pretty good on its own
1: it it does i was actually really really su- surprised I, I was luckily able to um get sent some before before the release yep. Because um, I was helping Chelsea out with, with some of that. And it's actually cool because yeah. the picture behind you is one of mine. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I just, I wasn't really sure what to expect because I knew it was going to mm-hmm. be kind of like a bottom shelf product and and, and yeah. meant to be just that, that to compete with the, the other $30 bottles on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was really, I don't know, when I first had a taste of it, it was just soft, approachable, flavorful. And it's, it kind of, again, delivers multiple, like it kind of feeds multiple profiles as far as yeah. it's like, if you tasted it next blind to a like a, a cheaper bourbon, you would get similar characteristics or a, a cheaper single malt blend. You would get similar characteristics. Like it kind of morphs. It's pretty adaptive for a, for a young, yeah. uh, a young whiskey. I
2: think my favorite story of the reports and its conception that it was like, I came up with a blend gave Danny the recipe, Danny then mixed it and thought he'd done something wrong because it tasted so good.
1: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a, that's a that good mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we had yeah, to created... check his
2: numbers like three or four <laughs> times and then he realized he'd done everything right. And that like, just tasted that good. <laughs> well,
1: and like Steve obviously
0: tried it before me and he told me, he's like, you gotta, you gotta get it. So but, yeah, I, it surprised me. I'm pretty sure the day it came out, I was like, And when I saw the price, I was like, okay, the store messed up. I'm just going to buy one (laughs) anyway. But that's the price. And I was like 30, 34 bucks. And when I got home, I was like, okay, well, I've loved everything from Eau Claire, so I'll try it. And of course, I'm going to try it neat first. And I couldn't believe it because like you said, a $30 Canadian whiskey is usually what people use to mix. And this, I like, I've mixed it once, but Mm -hmm. I've drank half a bottle and it's, I've drank it neat mostly. And like I, on Instagram, I do theme weeks and one of them was entry. I just finished my entry level week. And this was one of the bottles I picked because yeah. to get into Canadian whiskey, if you know, if you're not into it or if you, you know, I only drink scotch or bourbon, but this is like the perfect bottle to get into. It's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. And again, it has that essence of Eau Claire in it. You can taste that it's from Eau Claire, which yeah, again was
1: a nice surprise whether it's I got Claire all Eau Claire spirit in it or not you still yeah you still captured the profile of Eau Claire which is which is cool and I'm curious about the like the the name and the branding of it where like where the inspiration come behind that I love how you play you paid like homage to the kind of like the the woodsman the Canadian like just that typical mm-hmm. Canadian we've got more landscape and, and woods in our country than anything else right
2: yeah, I think like if you look at all of our bottles, like white spirits included, we have a social animal theme. So there's always Definitely. some sort of animal, some sort of theme on the bottle. Um, for the single malts, it's been the fox. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had the fox throughout, and then now with cask ten, he's got more of a prominent picture. Um, but yeah, we were obviously basing it on that, so we have the moose, who is called Rupert. Um, and Rupert is kind of a homage to Prince Rupert, who mm-hmm. originally settled here and owned most of the land. Um, and it's just kind of like that nod to, it's a Canadian whiskey. We want to pay homage to Canadian history. We want everyone to feel connected to it as well. So it's not that we're not trying to make it anything special. It's Canadian. It's all round for everyone.
1: Yeah. You're representing kind of the prairies of this country. And so everything kind of is definitely in line with, with that for sure. Which is cool because we, we like the the prairies of this country kind of get cast to the side being right under the shadow of the West coast and the East coast. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely nice to have some, some prairie inspiration behind it all.
0: Well, and I like the, every single label on every single bottle is like, it's classy.
1: Clean, classy. It
0: it has like, especially the Rupert's like the little wisps and stuff. It kind of looks like old school Western-y, which I mean, being around Calgary is and in the prairies is definitely fitting, but yeah, I mean, every single label should win awards because they're all fantastic. They're not overly,
1: not too busy, not not busy. yeah. Yeah. Just, just classic and things, clean. Yeah,
2: like when we when we were doing starting off, like our whiskey range, we wanted it to be something like that. We wanted it to stand out on a shelf, but to still look classic.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, some labels can just get a little too yeah too noisy too busy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good definitely. Yeah, and to especially
2: keep with whiskey, like you don't really need it. Like you want the spirit to shine.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the that's the, the Scotch mentality usually. Yeah. Right. Just let the spirit speak for itself. What's, is there a future plan? Like, is this going to be a regular release every year now that you've released it?
2: The Rupert's, yeah. So Rupert's is full time. It'll be on it the shelf be? all year round. Okay. Yeah. So, this is, it's kind of our put in the door of year round whiskey. Yeah. We just, we can't do it with a single malt yet. We don't have the capacity for it, like the aged spirit and everything. So, the Rupert's will take us year round. It's approachable. It's got a good price point. So, you can buy multiple
1: bottles of it and not feel guilty. Well, and then like people can at least talk about a whiskey product, an Eau Claire whiskey product all year instead of uh, you typically around Christmas in the winter. And then usually the, like the batch, the batch two and three were, yeah, they they become harder to find come the springtime. And then, and then nobody's, everyone's kind of drank their stock and then nobody's talking about it anymore. So
2: yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's nice to have like a whiskey that we're the first whiskey, the first craft whiskey producer and and we have a whiskey that someone can try anytime they come out here it's not like oh you can try this but there's none on the shelf for you to buy
1: yeah that that would be a tough thing especially from a, <laughs> a visitor's standpoint yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we might as well get into the the new oh yeah biggie, the cast 10. cast 10 yeah let's uh, uh let's hear the inspiration behind this and why I'll pour it while you're talking. Yeah, pour it. <laughs> do you so need
2: a glass? yeah, the cast. I'm excited for you to so try this. I've not had much feedback on it yet because we can't do shows right now.
1: Oh, I guess yes.
2: Um. So yeah, the cast ten is. You, it's from spirit that we distilled in our first year. So the spirit was distilled in, and distilled and barreled in 2014. It's actually our batch one, blend, and then rebarreled and a new european oak cask for another three years which makes it six years
1: and that's that hungarian that you talked about the toasted hungarian yes. okay yep. i've heard that hungarian can be can be difficult to use sometimes
2: i've, I've not had any issues um, okay. so far it's actually my favorite cask every time you try it straight out the cask it's amazing it's just like super powerful flavors and it's really well-rounded i find So you'll find like, even with like the single malts, there's more and more new European because it's my favorite.
1: (laughs) So was this, was this planned and in the works leading up to this? Yeah.
2: When we did batch one, um, we rebarreled this. So it was always planned to be a single cast. Okay, cool. And it was just what point we would bring it out. So we were trying it every year um, and seeing at what point we thought it was worthy of releasing. And then at six years is when we decided to bring it out
1: and so what about like is so is this going to be do you have more barreled for eight or ten or twelve kind of thing none of
2: none of this no okay um this was one cask that we filled um when we did batch one okay but we have other single casks that are waiting for when they're mature enough to come out but as we said before with the with the angel share here you kind of have to be creative to get the higher age statements because a single cast of 10-year-old just wouldn't work. So that's why we're doing this again as an, as an experiment. We re blend. Yeah. Like we blend at three years old, rebarrel for another three, and then you've only got the three years worth of losses as opposed to six years' worth of loss.
1: Yeah, man. That must make it tough to kind of navigate your like the future strategies and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it is, it's difficult. Every time we bring out Especially the single malt, or even with this cast 10 release, everybody wants to know how many bottles are going to be. And I don't know until I actually take the spirit out of the barrels. And I want to leave it in there till the last possible minute so that it gets all the age it can.
1: That's- so what do you what do you think, Sean? That you've had in your glass? Yeah, I'm curious to see.
0: <laughs>
1: it's so good. It like
0: it tastes. I don't know. Like it tastes like the single malt, but
1: it's got some waxiness to it yeah Mm -hmm. it tastes like the single malt releases but almost like i don't want to say i
0: don't want to say on steroids but it's (laughs) like it takes that single malt release every year and this just adds an extra step to it like like you said dusty like it it,
1: it's got a bit of dustiness to it it's kind of nutty and like it is very similar to the to to the single malt releases for sure especially on the Mm -hmm. nose
2: Yeah, I find that the extra three years in that European oak, gets, like rounded it out really well. It covers your palate really nicely now.
1: Yeah, it's got a really nice mouthfeel. It's uh it's got a bit of like tanginess to it almost, which is mm-hmm. a little which is a little different than than I find the the single malt profiles yeah. have been.
2: Yeah, so Batch One was it was pretty sherry heavy um in the blend. So I think with that extra three years, the sherry's almost like
1: Tart. shone through a
2: bit more yeah
1: yeah it's created kind of like a tartness with kind of the tannic oak yeah um like a characteristics that you get i
0: almost get like a little bit of nuttiness on the finish too like like the feeling the taste that is left like maybe after unsalted pistachios or something yep
1: i don't know yeah like like you're salivating like you want more yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is usually the case with. He's just trying to convince
2: you to pour more.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure his pockets are actually filled with sample <laughs> bottles, so I think he's going to want to leave here with, with some. So you
0: should go upstairs for a second and grab another bottle or glass or something.
1: But and this, like, I'm sure you guys were anticipating the I don't know just how big this release was going to be and how how popular. Like, like Sean Sean talks about all the time because he's. He's kind of a grumpy bear about a lot of things, but he he went on it two minutes after 10 when you guys started selling it on the website and yeah. it was poof, it was gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think we, we officially sold out in half an hour, but yeah, like if you weren't in the queue at 10, like no one was getting balls. It was crazy. Like we were here, obviously at the distillery that morning and just hearing the phone ringing Oh, I bet. Constantly um, in, the, in the tasting room and hearing like, cause no one, like obviously people got it, but it was one of those ones. Yes. We anticipated it would sell fast, yeah. maybe not half an hour fast. And I was saying this earlier, but each release you're just not sure. Cause it's like, yes, obviously batch one was highly anticipated and sold out really quickly. But each batch you release, you're like, well, people still feel the same. Are they still as excited? We're not the new kid on the block anymore. It's mm-hmm. not novelty anymore. And even like, we've still got batch four on the shelf now, but at least more of batch four than we did of batch one. So people are still really liking it. So it was like, we're not sure it's a pandemic. Do people have as much disposable income to buy a bottle?
1: Yeah, right now that's just, a struggle.
2: Yeah, we just, we weren't sure. Um, so for it to sell out in half an hour, um, it's actually really exciting like i'm excited people are still excited
0: did you guys did you guys sell any at the distillery that day
2: no
1: all online because they're not really having any guests at the distillery right now yeah
2: we decided with the pandemic it was we do online only we've got people coming in and picking up bottles but we didn't want to sell it at the distillery have queues and stuff like that it just didn't seem responsible
1: how many how many bottles total was it three something just over 300
2: yeah like i've got bottle 322 here so that's probably one of the last ones
1: there's a lot of buzz like as soon as that email went out to the cast club that you guys Mm -hmm. run and and if if you're listening to this definitely sign up because it does give you that opportunity (laughs) to kind of get an inside look on on everything you guys have coming out but i I just remember when that email came out it was my phone was dinging because people were texting me being like what is this (laughs) <laughs> we need to make sure that we get online <laughs> to get this. So yeah, ten o three. Oh, uh, I'm it, Sean is just <laughs> Sean's sitting over here, just stewing, sweating. <laughs> he's yeah he's he's gonna
2: he's, empty that bottle and fill it with tea or something like that <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna do what we did to our fathers back in the day Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> really uh weird steve your bottle tastes
0: really watered down and it's almost clear
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tastes like honey and water yeah
0: <laughs> no i mean i'm happy to try it and it's it's exceptional i'm so glad that you guys did this first of all single cast like you know it's Huge thing in Scottish and bourbon and stuff, but... Yeah. I mean, to be Alberta whiskey with a single cask release, and to be this good, it's amazing.
1: When you're continuing to, like I said, kind of pioneer the the whiskey landscape in this province by releasing products like this and getting people excited, and it's, it's just good for whiskey as a whole.
2: Yeah, like, I think for us, it's always, like, we wouldn't have released it unless we felt it was ready. So... Everything we bring out, we're very aware that we are—we're the first people doing it. We don't want to fuck it up, like we don't want it to be terrible. We want to Succeed. put out a good product so that more people want to put out good products.
1: Yeah, it's not—it's not, it's not about—it's not about selling a bottle. It's about putting good product in a bottle, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that, yeah, that exactly. Yeah, and that—that—that's obviously key. And it's got like it, it's yes, it's Eau Claire, and you can tell it's Eau Claire, but it's just got. It's got so much more going on that you that you're not going to get in a typical batch release which which i love because it then it really really makes the whole uh, it just makes me more excited because i'm one of the 300 and some that was able to get my hands on once (laughs)
2: it's it's exciting because like even for us like it's exciting to see what our sexual tastes like Mm because we are only six years old as a company so this is the oldest whiskey we physically have
1: did you guys have like exciting did you guys have like a little celebration with employees and stuff like that over it? Or, or do, were you able to do anything to to celebrate it at least as a company?
2: I mean, yes and no. We can't really yeah, gather right for now. For sure, I know. Um, that sucks. We obviously were still operational. So all the staff um, picked up their bottles the day before. Um, we released it online. Um, so everybody was taking pictures getting everyone to sign their bottles so everybody's got each other's signatures on their first bottle and everything like that so yes and no like we all celebrate it but we can't really it's
0: just
1: difficult
2: with the pandemic you can't really get together and have a whiskey together right now
1: yeah it's really tough i'm definitely gonna the bottle that i that i well i'd like to get you to sign the bottle mm-hmm. if if it's left, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but
2: empty will <laughs>
1: send, send you the empty one. You can sign that. Yeah. Don't worry, exactly.
0: I'll, I'll drive down there. I'll take it to her.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> It'll be empty by then. It
1: time. was it was funny though because when I went when I went down there, um, obviously this was in the summer. Or no, actually, no. This was yeah. sorry, right before Christmas when uh batch four came out. And I was able yeah. to do a little kind of little private tasting of it with, with yeah. Danny while I was there. But we went I was able to obviously just me go into the, into the back, into the distillery and, and just have a look around. And he was able to show me, it was just, you could tell the guys that work in that distillery probably used to having visitors in all the time, but since COVID, they don't have any visitors. So you could just like, they were like starving for social interaction. (laughs) They're like chat, they're chatty and talking. And (laughs)
2: yeah like, although they have been working the whole time, you see the same people every day yeah so it's like the sure. same like eight people so you have and no one's done anything so it's like what did you do this weekend nothing what did
1: you do nothing oh i know it's so boring <laughs> that, like, <Yeah. laughs> those like conversations you have with people you're like hey what have you been up to well neither of us have been up to anything so <laughs> yeah. what what is there to talk about <laughs>
2: Well, and that's like, yeah, that's why, like, when you came in, it's like, oh, new person, we can
1: talk about different things. Absolutely. And it's part of the reason why we kind of started this podcast, just because we're like, well, we got some spare time. So we might as well get out there and talk about whiskey. We we pretty much live in the world on social media all the time anyway. So it only made sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, One question I do have is you said you pretty much stick to the same cast. Do you have plans in the future to use any? um you know different sherrys or port casks or anything like that for finishing
2: i think yes like we have plans for everything it's we have a few different types of casks like we filled some wine casks in the first year that tasted terrible at three years old (laughs) and then we obviously just left them for a bit longer so feasibly if they start tasting good they might make it (laughs) at some point um but yeah we've got a few experimental ones and then i think this year for me anyway for the production side of things is the year I really want to start experimenting a bit more now that we've got like we've kind of got like our signature flavor down as you were saying like everything has a clear feel to it so now we can start getting a bit fancy and trying out new things
1: yeah that's that's going to be yeah I'm looking forward to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah as as whiskey guys like we are that that's going to be super exciting to see what you guys come up with
0: yeah definitely So part of the reason we started this podcast and we say it all the time is to be more about the community than the brands themselves. Obviously Eau Claire being a local ish brand to us, we wanted to talk more about that. Um, But for you personally, um, you said like when you were in school and then you jumped right into this job, but do you, do you drink other whiskey besides the stuff that you make? Oh Yeah.
2: All the time. Like i be stupid of me not to like. I think just from a palate perspective, I can't just only try go player. It would leave me completely nose blind to just what we do. So yeah, like I'm constantly like when it was allowed, I was at whiskey shows. I would always go around and try everybody's stuff, and it just gives you something to compare. It keeps developing your palate as well because there's so many new and exciting things, and then there's like the old world whiskies that are doing new things as well. So it's always interesting to try a bunch of things like. Usually at home I'd probably do like a Cory Corrievrecken or something like that. Um, would be like my go to. Like I'd quite happily drink that. But I do like the fact that I'm immersed in this whiskey world where I can go to shows, I get to pour my whiskey and talk about it, and I can try a bunch of other whiskeys at the same time.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely missing the like a festival season and stuff like that is such just a fun time in this country yeah. and, and and province, especially with well, with the Edmonton one, the Calgary, Calgary's got a couple, Banff, the, mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to go out to Victoria, like there's so many good, good festivals to go to where you can just try anything and everything.
2: Well, yeah. And it's like for the ticket price, you can try 150, 200 whiskies if you really want to, if you're really ambitious. Well, we, <laughs>
1: we've tried a few times. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. try to try them all. It yeah. doesn't usually work We usually, the, the best part is we usually take our buddy Nils with us and that guy loves to just clean up silent auctions. So we we make we make sure we send him in with, with a glass first. Yeah. That way he just yeah. gets right, just hammered up, and then he starts <laughs> writing his name on every silent auction item he can. So that, and then we come home with a bunch of interesting stuff afterwards to try <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> <It's laughs> perfect.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because the first time I actually met you was in Calgary in November 2019 at the World of, the Whiskey. World of Whiskey, the World of Whiskey, and yeah. the, like obviously it was Batch Three, and I think you told the story that you had to get it like a special label printed because they weren't even released yet and for that bottle that was at that show
2: yeah 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 yeah. like we like we we blended the spirit but we didn't have any labels yet so we had to like express one from the printer just one and then hand label the bottle put on the table that night
0: yeah so like (laughs) obviously Eau Claire was one of the first tables I went to yeah Caitlin was there so we talked she told the story and then like half an hour later, it was uh, directly across the room. Ran into her again, tasting somebody else's stuff, and so uh, we probably ran into each other like yeah. four times that night in different areas of the room.
1: I know it, it would be tough to just sit at your table still, just pouring whiskey all night with all that other whiskey well, around you.
2: That's why every every table at uh, a uh, show you'll see two people, so one yeah. can work and one can mingle.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that would be the way to do it. Yeah, except when I, I poured for who do, I I helped pour for. Um, truth malters was Cavalan, mm-hmm. and i didn't find a time to leave at all well you got the ms it was just lined up yeah it was it was fun but i kept trying to find an opportunity to leave but mm-hmm. i never got one
0: <laughs> so going to the um the, the clear spirits part of the eau claire yeah um like obviously in new distilleries it's it's the thing to do to Got to keep the lights on yeah keep the lights on bring money in yeah um it seems like with eau claire that it that wasn't the end goal was just to make money from the clear spirits you guys are constantly putting out new ones um the christmas one every year which is fantastic yeah um you know the the flourish and everything um do you want to talk along the lines of the clear spirits and kind of what the goal was from the beginning and if that's changed
2: yeah, um, so funnily enough, yeah. This the goal at the beginning was to make the White Spirits, establish the brand, and then we would become a whiskey distillery, but the White Spirits were too popular, so now we are both. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now it's a constant fight between White Spirits and whiskey, um, which is good. I mean, people love the White Spirits, mm-hmm. um, and it's a completely different crowd for each as well. For sure. Yeah. Um, you get like completely different people trying each of them. Um, so yeah, the ultimate goal was to be a whiskey distillery, which we've obviously achieved. But now we're oh, we do the white spirits
1: as well. <laughs> you produce a really clean um spirit, though, which I'm sure makes mm-hmm. it which makes it easy to to create um, the gins and and different vodkas and stuff like that. But you've also got some kind of like some outside of the box um expressions like like sean mentioned the the christmas one which is a yeah. uh, which you pay homage to the christmas spices in frankincense yeah. and myrrh which is really cool uh that the Jim rummy is a really really tasty mm-hmm. one what um i was little curious what the story was behind the Jim rummy so
2: Jim rummy um inherited gin rummy it was brought out our first year it's actually larry our master distiller our we call him our founding distiller now. he um, It was his mother's Christmas cake recipe, along with some gin botanicals. So it's Christmas cake, spices, molasses, brown sugar, cinnamon, clove, and then the underlying gin botanicals, so like juniper, coriander, um, and then it gets barrel aged in the next bourbon barrel. So it was like literally just brainchild of Larry, and it was complete trial. <laughs> we'll see if this see if this sells and we've brought it
1: out every year since it is it is tasty yeah like it's, really really tasty it's it would,
2: it's, it's very different
1: <laughs> yeah it is i don't know it really surprised me the first like the first time we had it was when we visited distillery a few months ago and and my mm-hmm. my, my wife fell fell in love with it she absolutely loved the characteristic that or the yeah. characters that it's, it really good.
2: it's
1: really good in the hot toddy or in hot chocolate oh i bet warm yeah for sure and then the the other ones I kind of wanted to get into is the, you've got the two other, where you get the parlor gin and the flourish gin. So yep. what's the, like, what's the big differences between them? Because it kind of like the flourish gin falls on the shelf a little bit cheaper than the parlor, but they're yeah. both, they're both just a, are they both just a basic gin or, or what's the difference? So
2: the parlor gin is our London dry juniper heavy, so it's like your classic gin it's okay. like really bold really full of botanicals mm-hmm. our botanical bills really high on it because you get all of those kind of like oily flavors um in the distillate whereas the flourish we created with cocktails in mind so we wanted something a bit less heavy more more approachable to, kind of thing yes yeah so okay. something a bit more mixable and um, something that wasn't there's a lot of people that don't like gin and there's a lot of people that think they don't like gin because they've had a bad experience with gin, whereas the flourish is a bit more entry level, say for gin.
1: Yeah, for sure, people are always afraid to adventure into into gin. Like the the standard vodka drinker, they just they think gin is yes. just going to be too much for them. And and the flourish is it's definitely more approachable. And you you could pour it in some cocktails, and you wouldn't even know that you're drinking gin. Until you were actually to like, it, I actually had to point out the notes, like a gin note to yeah. look for, and you could, you could like, there's an essence of it, but that's about it. I love the bottle design yeah. on it too. I love how you went, yeah. you went outside the box totally from your standard Eau Claire designs and created yeah. something really cool. Well,
2: that's yeah, it. and we were we were um, kind of doing the development at the same time, like Rupert's and the flourish, and we wanted them to kind of stand by themselves. So like Rupert's is on a different ball than the single malts
1: yeah it's in and a beautiful then we wanted
2: bottle to, yeah like the bottle is really nice and i think it just it sets it slightly apart and it's like a different category so like we almost wanted to set it so it's like you don't compare Ruperts to single malt as it's, its own thing and the same thing with flourish like flourish isn't a competitor to yeah
1: you're, you're not, you're not buying separate. one or the other you're buying both yeah, yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i get it into that yeah sorry we're looking behind us because sean's looking for the bottle but yeah. if yeah, there's one sitting on the bottom shelf it's i gotta i got a shelf below all the whiskeys reserved for basically <laughs> eau claire eau claire gins yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just i i'm a cocktail guy so i just love i i love the whole i don't know a whole list of your guys' expressions vodka gins all of it so thank you so much yeah no it's i'm i'm a Someone said I just like Eau Claire, but yes, maybe
0: <laughs> so are there plans to produce enough like obviously capacity is a huge issue. Um, but is it are you do you have plans to expand your um your distribution, whether across Canada, into the US, even across the world, is that something that you guys will eventually look to do? I think the
2: answer like yeah, the easy answer is yes. long it's going to take is the harder part of the answer but i think ultimately like what company doesn't want to try and expand their markets like we've pretty much i wouldn't say we've saturated but we you're available we're available pretty much anywhere in alberta now most people in alberta will know the name eau claire so it would be nice if um provincial um laws made sense we could be canada-wide but chances are it's probably going to be the us before canada-wide
1: that's kind of weird how it's, yeah. There's just a real divide in in what the laws stand for or represent from from west to east. So it's it makes yeah. it even make it makes it more. I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but it's more expensive for a distillery to distribute out to Quebec or Ontario than it is to put down in the American markets, which is kind of silly. Oh
2: yeah like way more expensive so yeah it's just even shipping and stuff like that like you can get stuff shipped to the states for next to nothing and then to ontario it's
1: like twice the price yeah it's the same as the like flying around our own country is more expensive yes. than it is flying. you can fly to florida for cheaper you can fly to toronto which makes no sense yeah like for two people to fly to scotland through
0: iceland it was like the same cost as one person flying to ontario which is insane <laughs> yeah
1: it's yeah. just backwards yeah. right we should be promoting yeah, with
2: it. Get the international flight and not go on the international leg <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh for, yeah, exactly. Just get off on your layover and stay in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like I know I was brought, it was brought to my attention a couple weeks ago. Now um, somebody in the lower mainland had seen on their local news that shelter point is actually trying to petition or get the federal government to lower the taxes that, canadian Mm -hmm. distilleries pay in order to help make it more financially to spread the product across the
1: country country. yeah
2: yeah yeah like i think if you speak to any craft producer any small producer we're all in the same boat like you can do as much as you can in your own province and then it's just irritating it's just frustrating you get caught up because you want to go into the province next door i mean even for like at least like alberta seems to be the easiest one to sell into so like shelter point can sell in alberta but we can't sell in bc which is that's just it doesn't make sense no it doesn't doesn't make make sense 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 at all
1: like at all (laughs) and
0: like because we post you know daily on instagram and you know we post like i said i posted the whole eau claire family of Mm -hmm. whiskey and yeah i had people from all over canada like What's this so clear about? Yeah. And like it's it's weird mm-hmm. because to us, like you said, we see it all the time, we drink it all the time. And for us, yeah. it's like, well, what do you mean? This is yeah. great stuff. Like, and
1: the one good thing though is that we there are retailers in our province that that do ship yeah around well yeah no, and like, i mean we're the same we <laughs> can touching ship. my nose but... if
2: people if people buy straight from us we can ship
1: yeah okay so then that's and so that's maybe the message just buy it yeah buy it buy it from you guys directly or or retail or well the... and i
2: think i think that's the way the industry's going anyway like especially so. with this past year like everyone's buying stuff
0: online
1: it's just too easy like to yeah. <laughs> just go online pick what you have, want shows up to, at your door
0: yeah don't even have to get out of bed and you can order I know
1: I <laughs> just feel lazy yeah. I, and and for me I like going I like window shopping in uh yeah. in like wine and beyond and château and some of the whiskey stores around mm-hmm. here just cuz it's fun to kind of walk the aisles and you you look like a weirdo cuz they when the 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 clerks at wine and beyond know your first name <laughs> it's <laughs> i swear i'm not an whiskey? alcoholic <laughs> yeah,
0: <exactly>. guys again <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> i can't remember where i heard it from but there's a new kind of distillery visitor center and stuff like that in the planning stages right now or
2: yeah i'm actually i'm sitting on it right now it's oh an really empty room it's an empty room right now um oh, but cool. yeah we essentially two doors down from the distillery is our speakeasy so yes, it yeah. was It was initially. Um, The Greyhound Bus Depot in Turner Valley, and then Sulzer had it for a number of years, and then we had it as our office slash storage, and then we had the brainwave, well David had the brainwave of making it an SPC easy, and it was ready to go in march of 2020
1: yeah of course, right. of <laughs> right course. when everything
2: got shut down um so yeah it's kind of it's been sitting empty we've had like a couple of small groups who were doing tours on it for a point in the summer when we were allowed to have people in but it's just not quite took off yet so we're hoping this year as restrictions ease off we should be able to actually have people in here because it's a really cool space
1: Oh, it's an awesome space. And like if, like for for like small, small weddings and functions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's it can accommodate at least a decent probably decent number of people, 50 to 80 kind of thing, I'm sure. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, I got I got to got to sit in there with Danny and, and taste the batch four. And yeah, it's just yeah. got a cool ambiance, got a really cool bar, that really like woody type feel. And no, it was yeah, it's it's a really cool space. Are you gonna be adding to the distillery portion of and like bigger stills or anything like that in the future to to up no, your output no, plans. Or? no
2: no plans currently and um, we have the two stills, so we've got the 750 and the 1200 we have a bit of leeway with that it's more manpower than anything so we can add okay. extra shifts and add weekend shifts and stuff like that yeah i guess so we have we've got a fair bit of leeway on that um it's more yeah like on the packaging side of things like most places especially craft sized and um, wouldn't have a separate packaging team we do have a separate packaging team because we need to operate the distillery and packaging
1: simultaneously pretty yeah. much
2: yeah pretty much every day so we'll probably expand there and for storage like barrel storage tank space stuff like that but i don't think we'll need a new still for a long time
0: i definitely want to go down there with speakeasy just send me my own personal yeah. personal code to get in the door
1: yeah can we get our own keys cut so we can just go hang out in there
2: (laughs) just let you come whenever you want we're always here so
1: (laughs) yeah you guys just sleep there work there sleep there work there sleep there basically (laughs) (laughs) what's the future hold for you you're pretty young so you gotta (laughs) yeah well yeah i'm
2: fairly
1: young i don't feel it some days but we all say that yeah yeah like
2: yeah like i think especially in the past year
1: everyone's aged about five years oh god yeah i know i was like we were joking around with um andrew from signal hill the radio commercials where they're asking to donate blood i'm wondering when they're going to ask people to donate healthy livers (laughs) because because chances are i'm going to need one of those healthy livers (laughs) there's
2: not going to be many available i don't
1: think (laughs) no there is we're gonna have to go to a different country that doesn't drink as much as we do yeah
2: (laughs) We started six years ago i've been here for like five and a half yeah. so it, it's pretty much like i feel like eau claire is me and i am eau claire so i'm in, i'm still enjoying it it's different every day it's not as a every day i'm doing the exact same thing
1: yeah for sure how, how does it feel being a uh, being a woman in the industry too like is, is it empowering is it um challenging is it like, i don't know if this is but an off-base question or what i'm just curious but no, yeah no
2: i no. like surprisingly I get asked this like three times a week Oh, <laughs> but, <It's all> right. <laughs> but yeah no it's it's good and bad like there's good points there's bad points like I've never had any issues here like at old Claire for sure I have a whole team of guys that work for me there's like as you saw when you came there's yeah. very little feminine power on the production side um <laughs> but I feel like I like to think that hopefully um inspiring future generations of female distillers. Like I think a lot of people just didn't consider it. Like a lot of females didn't think it was an option for them as a career. Um it's like a lot of people don't even know that you can go to school to be a distiller anyway, like male or female. Oh for sure. So I think it's it's fun now. Like we're we're hiring right now for in the distillery and we're getting a lot more female resumes, which is nice to see.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's nice to
2: see that people are like females are interested and want to kind of follow like it sounds like heavy following my footsteps like i I don't know if it's because of me
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know it's kind of hard to like remain humble while saying something like that but but it is true honestly like you you provide a you kind of open a possibility for 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 young females that might not have thought it was a possibility And and that's what i
2: think like it's just like the just me being in the space that I'm in and people seeing that. Like not that I'm particul like I'm the best one out there or the best distiller there ever was, but just like seeing a female in this space and seeing that it is a possibility for anyone that could think of it.
1: Do you have any female like mentors in the industry that that have helped you or even, even ones that you look up to and
2: like it's actually really hard to find females in the industry. Yeah. Especially for sure. people that have been in it for many years like a lot like a vast majority of the sellers are old white men <laughs> um, it's just it's just the way it always was just the way it
1: is um, yeah but,
2: yeah like it is it's hard like it's more rather than like mentors like i'm just seeing like and it's easier especially in alberta to look at the brewing industry and there's so many female brewers now and female head brewers and everything that's and it's very just, true yeah yeah it's exciting to see them Um, and like you talk to them when you're out and about and we all have similar stories, like whether it be brewing or distilling or whatever, but it's just, it's exciting to see more females around and even just getting resumes in from females is exciting.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
0: there's no reason that there can't be more female heavy.
1: No, there should be. Yeah. Honestly, I think there (laughs) should be more females in this industry because I won't lie, females generally have a more refined palette and it's it's that
2: palette and attention to detail well, f-
1: yeah for sure
2: even like we work with uh, a whiskey blender um she's based in bc i actually went to school with her, and again she worked for diageo so like johnny walker and all of that kind of stuff yeah. and again like the vast majority of the team there were female as well
1: yeah that's really cool to see i'm glad to see that kind of thing yeah it's Definitely interesting. Well, I don't think we have any more uh, questions for you. Do you have anything that more? Easy. Yeah, it <laughs> was really. I know. I think we. I feel like we made it too easy on you. I, I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling back through the the agenda here, and I'm just like, man, there had to have been something tougher. <laughs> yeah, no, like you didn't say
2: anything bad about the
1: whiskey or anything. Well, there's we not, there's, there's not nothing bad to, see bad see to say on, especially for. <laughs> and like especially for what it is like you said you guys are you're not you're not afraid to stand behind the fact that it is a younger whiskey yes it's only no. in in the three years but it drinks it drinks older than what it is it it drinks it like it just i don't know it, it's an, it, you're creating an impressive product i'm like stuttering trying to get this out but <laughs> Thank I, you I, so much. I I enjoy it yeah Thoroughly. and yeah. you're not gonna like like I will. I will be honest. I like batch four better than I liked batch three. I thought batch three was a little more astringent than batch four. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought batch four was a little more creamy. Um, But but that's yeah. I don't know. That's that's nothing bad to say. (laughs) That's just honest honest feedback, right? That's
2: the thing. Like when you do batches, like that's the fun conversation. It's like, what batch is your favorite? Like I've got a lot of people that love batch two like it's their absolute favorite of all
1: things i've heard that batch two too. is good yeah batch two is really good
2: yeah so yeah like my favorite i think right now and it's hard because i always say right now because i change my mind like on a daily basis oh for sure i think my, my favorite right now is batch four as well but it was batch three when batch three came out <laughs> <laughs> like, and, I'm and it so was batch two and batch two came out <laughs> it, it, well that's the thing and it, like i'm so close to it that when people ask me, I'm like, I'm not the best person
1: to ask. Well, like, you I could them out. Yeah, you're, you're like, you're obviously going to be biased. You're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it. So it's, and yeah, exactly. Bat, batch two was, I did like batch two over batch three. I just don't have my open bottle of batch 2s. Well, it's gone. All I have is a closed one. I don't want to open it to do a side by side. I would love to do a side by side though, with batch four. All of
0: mine. Are <laughs> do you open. have?
1: Are they all open right now? All, batch two. All except except for, for one. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, maybe we'll maybe we'll swap some samples, and I'm just going to put next this one. Next time you're out the distillery, I'm sitting
2: here. I'm sitting here looking at like batch one, two, three, and four lined up. So yes.
1: next time you're out, we can do a side by side. Oh yeah, there really you go. Cool. You you have you have a little bit of batch one left, obviously for special moments and stuff like that.
2: We've got yeah, we've got some kept behind. Like we still serve it behind the bar from time to time. Um, we kind of okay. switch rotate through our different batches. Um, and then we have it in case we want to take it to a whiskey shop or something like that. And yeah, for the the simple reason of being able to do like a full lineup, like we'll always keep some of it so that we can compare each batch and then we've got bottle one of each batch that we keep on display that will never be open.
1: Well, if if uh, things start to look better in the spring, then I think you're going to expect Sean and I knocking on your on the door of the speakeasy. <laughs> You'll be camping out the back
2: and yeah.
1: every day. Do you, do you have like a bunk bed in the speakeasy that we could stay in while we're there? Or? <laughs> do you have this
2: mezzanine level that I'm sitting on? We could put a bunk bed up here
1: for you. Yeah, I saw that with the cool stairwell that goes up there, the spiral stairwell. That, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. Call, I call top bunk. They could put some. No, there, I think there's just. I think there's just. There's enough floor space up there. We could just fall asleep. Yeah. Wherever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just watch the spiral staircase
1: when you're coming back down. Yeah. There, there won't be any going up and. <laughs> down that at the end of the night that's for sure (laughs) so well thank you thank you so much for for doing this caitlin this this has been this has been a lot of fun and and we've like me and you we've kind of just chatted back and forth over social media for (laughs) for however long and so yeah it's just been fun to kind of meet you and, and chat whiskey i'm excited to to do this again and again
0: yeah same
2: thing well, yeah
1: thank you for thank you for having me on it was really exciting this is my first ever podcast so oh
0: cool we're yeah <laughs> breaking down the walls
1: yeah exactly
0: it that's, seems to be an, awesome. a, a sentiment from a lot of our guests they, they do lots of tastings online virtuals They're like this is the first podcast so that's yeah.
1: cool. <laughs> yeah we had because the our guest yesterday was his first podcast too yeah. so that's kind of cool and i've like i work i obviously partnership with you guys and, and we work together on other stuff so I'm, I'm hoping that can obviously keep going I really enjoy working with Chelsea I've never met Chelsea but we chat a lot over email and stuff like that she seems like a really good character and, and a fun person so um, yeah, like uh,
2: Chelsea's also been in the company for a long time as well like she's been here for four years now.
1: Oh, okay, well, that's good because then you—that's when you start really creating a, a like a family atmosphere inside a company, right? When you, yeah,
2: no, we we definitely are. We're a very like dysfunctional,
1: but <laughs> I don't think I, I I just think those two words just go hand in hand. There's no fam, there's no family without dysfunction. That's just how it is.
0: Yeah, there's no yeah, fully exactly. functioning family. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> so well, we're uh yeah, we're we're excited to see where Eau Claire it goes in the future. We're excited for every new release. Um, yeah, we, we couldn't be more thankful. Well,
2: thank you. I'm so excited about all of this. Like, I'm glad you've enjoyed the whiskies, and I'm excited to have you out here to actually try some
1: stuff. Yeah, we'll be out there as soon as the laws allow us to. Maybe even sooner.
2: <laughs> Just camping outside, waiting for
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be surprised <laughs> if you see us. That's all I'll say. But. <laughs> Uh, Cheers to you, Galen, and we wish you nothing but the best, and and Eau Claire the best as well.
2: Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.